You're now listening to the Grow Together podcast, the official podcast of the Grow Together community, a place where no one gets left behind on their self-discovery and personal growth journey. And now, here's your host, Luke Burrows. All right, guys, welcome back. Redefine Your Twenties, episode seven. And today, guys, we have my man, Joel, joining us. And really looking forward to today's episode, guys. If uh, for those who are in and around uh, the Grow Together community, you might uh, recognize Joel as he's been on the Grow Together podcast, a very valuable member of our community. So um, yeah, really awesome to bring Joel on today. But Joel, um, why don't you go ahead and share kind of who you are, who is Joel, and then we'll dive into... um, into a little bit of kind of your story, but with that different kind of uh, perspective on um, on kind of like how you've used this age to build something and grow and everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, man. I always love our, our combos. I feel like we always have very meaningful conversations. And as I was telling you before, I secretly love the fact that you're on UK time because it gives me an excuse to get up and kickstart the day. Absolutely, man. I mean, it must be, is it like six? Is it six? I've had there. 6.30 yeah. there? Yeah, it's it's 6.30. So I'm probably just being a little baby. <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah, five hours. So no, man. Um, yeah, you must have got up about, I don't know, half five or six or something to, you know, get ready for this. So I appreciate yeah, it. Sure. Yeah, but uh, to answer your question, a little bit about myself. Um, so my parents were immigrants from uh, Beijing and Taiwan originally. Uh, so I'm first generation here in Canada. And uh, at the moment, by day, I am a growth marketer for a SaaS company. Uh, for those of you who don't know, don't know the acronym, it's Software as a Service. And by night, I run Model Millennials, which is a platform that helps young adults navigate through their 20s and early 30s. So we cover topics like uh, how to find a career path, how to find your life path, uh, how to get the job you really want, um, how to just be the best version of yourself, really. Uh, recently, meta-learning has been a big topic for us. So the idea of learning how to learn, so kind of going a layer below, uh, I think that's going to be a very important topic for millennials. Um, so that's that's a bit about the model millennials mission. Awesome, man. And um, I think like that's in a way why we kind of uh, have done a lot of collaborations because our mission is similar in that regard of helping millennials but also you know people in their 20s early 30s like younger people mm-hmm. to really um find you know their career path and find what they love to do and you know, just like create their life ultimately and this is why i created this podcast within grow together um is because for me i want to get the message out there to use this age because we are super young still to use right. this age to build something because i think what you know i've kind of seen it i've heard about it and that is that, you know, typically people might use this age um, to have fun, whatever people define as fun. And then they get mm-hmm. older. So in their early 30s or 40s or even older, you know, and then have a bunch of regrets on what they did in their 20s. And if they just maybe did this and if they just did this. And I think with this podcast, like I say, it's to have those conversations around actually how can we redefine our 20s, right? So we can build something for the future. Um, and think a little bit more long term, you know, to set up those habits and that. So, um, yeah, like, I don't know your thoughts on kind of that. Uh, so, you know, that's really what this podcast and you know, the conversation here is about, you know. Yeah, no, I, I love that you mentioned that. And um, I totally agree. I think that's where we resonated on quite a bit when we thought about the Redefine Your 20s podcast and Modern Millennials. And I think that when it comes to your 20s, um, you're exactly right. A lot of people in their 20s, they tend to, I don't want to use the word waste. I think that might be uh, a little bit far-fetched, but um, I think they almost um, use up a lot of the 20s in a way where they, they end up regretting, just like you mentioned. And I think a big reason why is because they confuse the concept of temporary pleasures with true joy. Mm. And so a lot of people, when they think about their 20s and they think about experiencing their 20s to the fullest, what they're really trying to experience is what they're seeing on social media, right? And when you go on social media, you're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling through Facebook. And as you're looking on the timeline, you're seeing your friends uh, go to these amazing travel destinations. 
they've gone to Thailand and you're seeing photos of them on the beach. They are getting promoted at the work. Uh, they are maybe going clubbing that night. And so in your mind, you're formulating this idea of what you want to achieve in your 20s. But it's almost a, uh, it's a picture of highlights that your friends see, but you're not really seeing the bloopers that people are going through. And so in your 20s, uh, you can, again, choose that path where you're seeking after temporary pleasures like Netflix binging, uh, traveling and spending unnecessarily uh, an unnecessary amount on traveling. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Experiencing the world's amazing. Um, but doing it for the right reasons is important. Uh, or another path you can take is really building something that's meaningful for yourself, uh, building either an asset for yourself, building the impact you want to make, or even building yourself as a person. I think that is where you'll get true joy. And of course, the pleasures are good in moderation. 100%. Um, and that's something that I'm all about as well. Like, I think people confuse like that short term. So I call it like short term pleasure, like long term happiness, but happiness, joy, etc. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like, like having those conversations to help younger people realize that what they do today, they kind of see in their life, like later on, you know, like the yeah. habits that they kind of set up today, you know, you're not necessarily going to see the results straight away, like sometimes you will, but you know, you're going to necessarily see it in like five, 10 years time. I don't know, you know, if you would go along with that. So like for me, um, I mean, we had this conversation um, on Friday when, when we spoke and you, you were saying about kind of my running and everything, you know, like, and so like even just with, with something like that, with like a habit that I've created and around health and that, like I see like, some results right now, but I know mm -hmm. that for that isn't very much like a long-term thing for my long-term health and everything. And, you know, sure, there's days where I'd rather watch Netflix or like do nothing, but I know, just like in my mind, I know like I'm playing for like the long term, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Oh, dude, I resonate with that deeply. And when you came on my podcast, you had a, a really great quote, actually, where you said that it's really important to have a combination of patience with speed. And mm -hmm. so the short term, you want to be quick in your habits and how you act and implement. But in the long term, you really got to think five, 10 years down the road. And Bill Gates actually has a really good quote. Um, I, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he says that people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And it's so true in my life. I, I can't tell you the amount of times where it's December, uh, right after Christmas, and I'm writing down all my New Year's resolutions. And of course, like most people, by February time, I've dropped the ball on a lot of them, mm. especially when I was younger. But I actually was very fortunate where in my story, uh, growing up, I, um, a, a bit about my background, I mentioned that my parents were, were immigrants. And so I, I was here first generation. Um, I kind of felt like at home, I was exposed to this Eastern traditional culture where my parents lived kind of the Chinese lifestyle. Uh, as soon as I stepped out of the house, I was exposed to this whole new Western world. And so I grew up with kind of a dual identity. And uh, because of that, I felt like I didn't really understand the social norms as well. When I was really young, I felt like uh, when I was, I had a disadvantage in even English. So at home, I'd be speaking Mandarin and out there, all my friends would be fluent in English. Uh, and so I felt like I was just a step behind. Um, and so as a result, I felt like I just was kind of a bit disadvantaged from that sense. Um, mm. But through the power of growth and thinking more in the long term, and I think that was the silver lining behind it all is that because I kind of started off as an underdog, I was able to think more long-term with that patience that you talked about. So I didn't think in terms of, hey, can I be an X person in 30 days? But I really thought, okay, you know what? Now's not my time, but maybe when I'm in my 20s, maybe when I'm in my 30s, that's when I'm going to thrive. Yeah, and I think for me i don't know if you'll go along with this the reason of like the whole patience thing why people aren't patient or one of the reasons is because like you say they're caught up in this kind of dangerous cycle of comparing themselves with people like you know like you say on social media etc of like oh he's doing this he's doing this and i'm not and so they're comparing themselves to other people and so you know they might even know their goals but they're not necessarily doing the inner work to help them to develop that patience because they're constantly comparing themselves to others and i think 
like the inner work is hard. Like I, I shared about this on a few podcasts I've been on recently. And I think a lot of younger people might like shy away from that because it might be weird or it doesn't look cool or kind of all these different things. But for me, it's been mm -hmm. like so amazing, you know, to really dive deep and like, okay, so right. why am, why am I feeling like anxious here or like, and that's that type of stuff. So I don't know if that's like a part of it or you would go along with that is like actually to do that inner work because then you're develop more awareness of like, why am I comparing myself to others when, you know, I've got these goals, you know, that's their goals. And plus I shared this again, I'm, a few things here. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, please. The other thing also is like with social thing, like you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. So on social media, like somebody might get that job promotion, but then, you know, go home and be depressed as hell. Like you yeah. just don't know. And so why are you comparing yourself when, and feeling and judging yourself and all these different things. And again, that comes, comes up background full circle to that inner work when you're able just to do that inner work, not necessarily care or not care what other people are doing. Um, and it's, you know, it's not about being self-centered or anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to put into words, but like, you're just like focusing on yourself, but not in that, that self-centered way. I don't know your thoughts on that. Wow, I think you hit the nail on the head, dude. I, I love that you're actually making a distinction between the inner, the sorry, the internal versus the external, because mm. it's a it's a real thing. Um, and just just to your point, again, you look on social media, or you even think about the media as a whole. Uh, music, for example, um, you listen to rappers and they're talking about their uh, 25 mil in 25 years. <laughs> Drake, I'm a Torontonian, so that's the first thing that popped in my mind. <laughs> And you hear about uh, cars, mansions, all that jazz, right? And you keep thinking from an external perspective. How can I look good? But what's important is not just looking good. It's actually being good. And I think that's what a lot of people in their 20s especially miss is the fact that you got to stop for a second and just think in terms of how you can actually be good. And it's such a big distinction because like you mentioned, when you're comparing yourself with others, I think a big reason why is because you're not really taking the time to have self-awareness. So you're not taking the time to reflect on who you are. Uh, there's this really important concept called active recall. And um, it's the idea that in learning, uh, as soon as you learn something, you take the time to stop and you take the time to recall what you just learned. So for example, if you are... Okay. Yeah, so you're reading a book, you are watching a TED Talk, you are checking out a video, pause it, close the book, and take the time to actually reflect on what you just learned. And more importantly than that, take the time to reflect on how you can apply it, how it applies to you, how it applies to other people, how you can teach it for yourself. And I think that's the process that I had a chance to go through. I, I know I mentioned that I started off uh, when I was young as honestly, I would even use the word socially inept when I was really young in like elementary school and a little bit in high school, I, I got a bit better. But I think the process of me just being very observant of not only myself, but of other people and how I can apply to myself, um, it really just allowed me to have the self-identity that I created and truly who I am. And so the inner work, like you mentioned, it allows you to then stop comparing yourself with other people and start really thinking, okay, what is my picture of who I want to be and start working towards that? Yeah, I think, you know, like when I say these things, um, I kind of have this, I don't know if concern's too much of a wrong word that people like think I'm self-centered and, you know, it's not about being self-centered or like selfish or anything like that. You know, it's just about doing that inner work. And mm -hmm. I always kind of want to, so share like this perspective with people in terms of so for those who know like Gary Vee or Grant Cardone or kind of all of these like big people right mm -hmm. like I highly doubt it, that Gary Vee's kind of sat there worrying about what Grant Cardone is doing you know like he's just yeah. so focused on kind of what he's doing right. not in a self-centered way because he knows his mission right he knows his North Star he knows you know like his purpose he's living it every single day like he doesn't necessarily care probably mm -hmm. what like Grant Cardone is doing or like Lewis Howes or like you know what I'm saying so like I think yeah. about these things like and so it's about getting to that place in your mind where you have that like calm confidence in yourself mm -hmm. that actually you know kind of the path that you're on you know your mission you know these you know you know like who you are by doing that inner work and so yes you're, you know you're going to go out there and help and support other people and provide that value and you know in your community or like on social media or 
like whatever it is but you just kind of i don't know who you are ultimately if that makes sense you know yeah man i i love that and i i just want to make a small distinction it's interesting because i've heard the saying that there's a difference between a motive and a motivation okay and so to your point it's funny because I, I i like eric thomas a lot i'm not sure if you follow oh, yeah. his content yeah. his podcast awesome I love his podcast. Absolutely awesome. And every time I hear him talk, I just feel like I need to go out for like a 25-mile run. <laughs> He's that kind of a person that fires you up. Uh, but for Eric Thomas, you, you'll hear sometimes that he talks about uh, competing with people like Tony Robbins, for example, where he wants to be number one. And some people confuse that and say, well, Joel, you know, if you think back to people like Michael Jordan, Eric Thomas, and different people like this, they seem to take uh, pride out of competing with other people. And I just want to make that distinction where – they are competing out of motivation. So they're using that fuel to have ex a bit of external motivation to push them a little bit from a day to day. But ultimately, to your point, their motive, they're really thinking in terms of who am I? What's my purpose? What am I born on this earth to do? And it's very slight distinction, but such an important one. Yeah, I think that's powerful because I think kind of what happens is like like you say with those leaders like they have that um motivation maybe to you know to be the best in everything but they're not necessarily sat there like i think what most people do scrolling through social media like checking out everybody else's content per se like 24 7 you know like worrying about what other people are doing and i think that's kind of where i was coming from in terms of like because they know that they like they they had like they know their mission right like you said they have that motive of like that internal so maybe that like that's a different perspective that can kind of like help people to realize mm -hmm. that actually but then but then like i've also seen this and you know hear different leaders talk about this like they're actually also rooting for other people yeah you know and i think what tends to happen then is people especially young people they might scroll through social media but then judge other people yeah um and so like even if somebody has like that car that you love and kind of all these different things change, like flip your mindset on it. Like, okay, I, I don't, but mm -hmm. I'm actually happy for them instead yeah. of coming from a place of judgment as well, you know? And I think that's also another right. distinction with kind of, I've seen, you know, with Grant Cardone or Eric Thomas or, mm -hmm. you know, these Gary Vaynerchuk as well, we're actually there also rooting for other people to win as well. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I like that. And I feel like sometimes society doesn't quite work in favor of that format. So what I mean is when we play sports or when we're in university, sports, you're competing, especially I used to play soccer growing up. I know you're a soccer fan as well. Uh, if you win, the other team loses, right? In uh, university, if you get a really high grade, sometimes it lowers the GPA because it's on a curve, right? So if you win, someone else loses. But in life, really the idea is that a rising tide raises all ships. And I'll give you an example in my own life. Um, there was a period where I worked in sales and it was a very intense sales environment. Mm. And even there where we had a, a whole floor of about 70 sales reps where people were constantly competing with each other, there were only a few people who had this mindset where we weren't competing, but we were mutually having a rising tide raise all ships. And that those are the people that would take the extra effort to help out someone who was new that would take that take the extra effort to pass on uh, a sale maybe right i remember there's one time where the the top sales rep came to me and said hey dude we have a bit of a problem because this sale we both made so you actually reached out and i was in the middle of calling and i just want to let you know this is my like he was kind of com coming with swords and he didn't realize that I would tip my hat right away. I'm like, oh yeah, dude, go for it. Have it. Mm. And he was shocked. <laughs> and funny enough, literally a few months later, I ended up joining his team and he let, he vouched for me joining his team. Wow. So I get promoted there. Mm. And on top of that, he, he spoke very highly of me in the entire uh, team that he was working on. And again, I just really believe that a rising tide raises all ships, whereas other people think that it's a format of, uh, you're, you're a crab in a bucket and if somebody leaves, you got to kind of pull them down with your claw kind of thing. No. And I think like that, I think like over the long term, 
that's the way for people to go, you know, and have more conversations around kind of developing that type of mindset and perspective because you, because like, you, but then it goes into so many other different things for me. Like, but then you didn't have like an expectation like that would happen. Like, like, yeah, like later like, on, you were probably just living from like your value system of like, okay, you know, I'm just going to let him kind of like have the sale. But you weren't like expecting like, okay, like, you know, five years or like however long it was down the line, like, this is always like, this can happen you know and i think then people mm-hmm. be like okay i want to do this nice thing but then expect something in return as well so it's like goes much deeper i feel you know yeah dude and there's actually a really good book that i read that helped instill that mindset in me as a value so there's the idea where everyone is kind of reinforced this when they're in school when they're grown up where you want to be a go-getter it's a good thing to be a go-getter because you're achieving but there's this book that is titled go giver uh, I can't remember who the authors were. It's very, familiar. yeah, yeah. It's a super short book. Uh, you can read it within just maybe two hours or so. Uh, you're probably faster than me, most people. And so maybe even an hour, uh, but it talks about the fact that you want to add value to others. And uh, a lot of people, it's kind of the idea that I'm sure a lot of people heard this saying where you can chase money all your life, but you might never get it. But if you chase adding value to others, money will chase you. And so if you just have the mindset of giving to others without thinking about what you get in return, eventually it's always going to come back to you. And even in that example where I was thinking for my sales floor, part of the reason it was so easy for me just to pass on that sale. And by the way, that sale was worth like a couple hundred dollars. It was like maybe 600 bucks, something like that. My um, commissions. Yeah. I pushed that aside because I knew that ultimately I'm not competing with him. In the, in the end scheme of things, if he, if he wins in the world, right? It's the sales floor is only so big, 70 people in a billion people world. Mm. It's not a big deal. If somebody wins, that's close to me, it ultimately elevates my life. And, uh, the more people adopt that mindset, I think the more their lives are ultimately going to rise. hundred percent. I think like that's something that a mindset just to, like push it, like, I don't know, not push upon people, but like to have more con- like those types of conversations around and kind of get out there because mm-hmm. I think, um, a lot of people like just one, like, don't even understand that mindset, you know. And so, obviously, like the books, like uh, the one you recommended, will be helpful for people. But I think, like, there's, there's something in that. Like, for me, as long as, as I know, like, I can c- go to sleep at night with like a clear conscience type of thing and no yeah. regrets, like you know, and I've done well during the day, you know, if you're doing those sorts of things, then, you know, like that's it, you know, mm-hmm. um, two other things I did want to touch upon as well. One was the values point of view, because mm-hmm. I think all of this or most of this comes back to young people having, not even having a clue what value system is, <laughs> let, let alone what their values are. You know, like before I read the book, um, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, I had no idea what a value system was. I had no idea, you know, like all these different values and every and everything. Um, and then I also wanted to touch upon how maybe like that even comes into the value system, because I think a lot of young people maybe do these things like clubbing in and everything because um, they want to escape their reality. Right. Right. Like they're maybe going to uni because their parents want them to. And so they don't really want to go there to become a doctor or, or any, or anything. And obviously you, in a way like you kind of come back, you like your background is similar to this, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the traditional way of kind of doing things, you know? Yeah. So, so maybe you, you know, you're more qualified than me because I didn't think go to uni or anything like to speak on this, but um, I just like see it, you know, like a lot of young people like go to these short term pleasures ultimately mm-hmm. to escape the things that are going on in their lives, maybe to escape doing that inner work and everything, maybe because like they don't know what their values are and maybe so it all comes back, back around full circle, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Oh, that is a big Pandora's box to open. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man, um, I think the best, best way I can kind of touch upon that topic is just to share a bit about my story and how I develop my values. And I think this might help a little bit in sharing a bit about my mission statement with modern millennials because um, it ultimately roots from my values. So the a lot of some people I, I get asked this question at times, uh, what does the model and model millennials stand for? And it's role models. 
So the reason I came up with that name is because it's rooted in my story where when I look back on my life and I see the connecting dots, there have been certain people who have been role models, who have been mentors, who have really influenced my life in a positive trajectory. And these people helped me restore my faith in humanity in some ways. Mm. But on the flip side of the coin, I've also met some people, and I'm sure you're the same, where they made you question humanity. You're like, man, they're huge. Yeah. And so when I thought back on that, I realized that, wow, the power that one person has to influence other people is so crucial. And I, I know there's a saying that even one person, the shyest person influences 10,000 people in their lives. And I truly believe that's the case. And kind of the millennial side of things, uh, I really believe that you can be a generation where you're remembered or generation where you're forgotten. And a good contrast of this is that there's the greatest generation versus the silent generation, where the greatest generation, they had seven presidents of the United States. The silent generation had zero. One was labeled great, one was labeled silent. And so our mission is kind of to push role models within the millennial system so that we can eventually move closer to the great curve as opposed to the, the silent. Um, and kind of going back to what you mentioned with value systems. So how did that all root? Where does the values come in? It really comes in on reflecting back and what really matters and what's important in your life. So for example, right now, uh, there's a lot about the BLM movement that's happening. And that's a huge topic to unpack. So I'm, I'm not going to get into that. But you know, certain people have experienced uh, racial, maybe segregation in their lives. And that might be a value that they develop mm. where I want racial equality. Uh, if you look back in your life, let's say you have um, somebody who was close in your family, you know, knock on wood, who suffered a tragedy from cancer, right? Then you might develop the value system of wanting to make an impact in the health field. And so I think that when it comes to value systems, um, one of the best ways you can develop a value system is just really taking the time to sit back, think in your thoughts of who you are as a person. What's your background? What are your experiences? Um, what do you really want to accomplish in your life? I know this is really cheesy, but the footprint that you want to leave in the world, yeah. I think that's a good question as well. Um, but having those value systems, thinking also another really good point. Um, sorry, I don't want to monopolize the conversation here, but uh, another powerful tool is to think about people who are role models for you. Uh, for example, for me, one of the first people in personal development actually was Eric Thomas that I came across. Yeah. And he really influenced my value system. So mm. being around the right people in your lives, choosing the right associations. And if you can't really do that, then find people online that you can kind of mimic. That really helps as well. Hey guys, Libros here. And I just quickly wanted to intervene to let you know about the entire Grow Together podcast collection. That includes this podcast right here, Redefine Your Twenties. The Grow Together podcast collection, guys, is designed to help you move towards to accomplishing the ultimate goal, a better version of you. If you want to check out the entire podcast collection, then go ahead and click the link in the show notes below this episode. And now, guys, I will return you back to where you left off. Enjoy. Yeah, and I think I shared, I shared it a bit before in terms of, I think it comes back around full circle in terms of to find those value, value systems for you or to develop them or whatever. Um, but also then I go into a place of like, your belief systems, your limiting beliefs and everything to start to overcome those to move closer mm. towards the things that you want, you need to do the inner work. Like yeah. it's looking it's looking inwards. And a lot of young people don't want to do that for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And so it's so then how like how do we encourage younger mm. people to do that? I know we've had conversations with before about the education system and everything. Um, but what would kind of be some thoughts on that because a lot of young people may not even know like what personal development is personal growth is etc but right. for me i only came across it because i wanted to build a business you know um and kind of fell into it that way and um yeah I think there's kind of like that side of things as well wow th thanks for asking that question that's a that's an important one because young people like you mentioned they don't know where to start even and there's a really good, good quote by Marcus Aurelius. He was a Roman emperor 
and one of the greatest Roman emperors. There were five great ones, and he was one of the last to be great. And the quote is, there's nothing that's more powerful to broaden your perspective than a systematic investigation. Uh, again, I might have botched one word in there. <laughs> the sure. word, I'm not sure if that's the right word to use, but something very similar. And the reason I like that quote so much is because when you look at the average person in their 20s, they spend more time planning out their annual vacations than they ever do planning out their lives. So when it comes to their annual vacations, they have it down packed. They're so militant. They're like, okay, I'm going to go to uh, this. I'm going to go on this Europe backpacking trip. You know, at 6.05 a.m., we're going to take this train over to this place. We're going to take this tour. And they're so militant in planning out their vacations. They spend weeks in advance. But when it comes to planning out their lives, you ask them what their goal is for the year. And they're like, oh, we'll see where this year goes. And the biggest encouragement I can have for anybody who's looking to develop uh, the value system or jump into personal growth is to really take the time to create an intentional growth plan. So be intentional about how you, how you approach it. Be systematic, like Marcus Aurelius says. And there are a lot of good tools you can use to be systematic. Um, for example, for myself, a good place where I started was really creating growth-focused goals. So thinking about um, who I wanted to be as a person and working backwards to create these goals. Um, that's kind of a, a whole topic in itself. Yeah. And then when you think about from the day to day, one thing that's really helped for me is creating good habits throughout the day. Um, so I actually have on my phone, uh, this app where I have 10 different habits that I do throughout the day. Uh, I'm on like day 500 something. I can't, I can't remember what, what it was, uh, but some really good habits I'd add for any, any person whatsoever is to read 15 minutes a day, listen to some sort of podcast, audio, uh, like the grow together or redefine your twenties podcasts. Um, take time to reflect on your, on yourself. Uh, I like to do some meditation at times as well. Uh, for myself, um, you know, I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're in the secular world, but I take time for prayer too. Uh, these are all things where you can decide uh, for yourself what are the habits that you want to add in. But those are some of the big, big ones for me. Yeah, and then also, um, like the habits. Also, so I'll start again. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's like those habits that people set up, like you're saying, like reading, uh, meditation, maybe even like exercise, like and that. For people to do but then also like habits that help them move them closer towards their goals as well yeah yeah absolutely so habits that you do just in general um i think those are just foundational habits that anyone mm. can develop uh, mm. so for example the tough thing about doing something like reading or listening to audios is that it's so easy not to do because when you're thinking in your head I want a six pack by summertime and that's my main goal. And then you also think, well, I need to read. You don't make that immediate connection because it's not a causation where you read and then you're closer to your goal of having a six pack. But there's a huge correlation between reading and achieving any goal in life, right? Mm -hmm. For example, if you're reading a book where uh, you talked about awakening the giant within you, I'm sure that book ended up impacting you in all facets of your life. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> you know, 100%. Like it was the, I think, the first personal development book I read. Before then, I was more reading like business books. So um, I'm, are you familiar with like Russell Brunson? So I was reading kind of like his books, like um, about traffic and kind of funnels and all, and all, yeah. and all, and all, and all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so, you know, you know, reading more business books. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like that was like the first more personal development book that I read, which I think, for entrepreneurs and that is so important then to get more into like personal growth personal development because right. then i'm on this thing of going off topic but i'm on this thing of like if you're not growing yourself how do you expect to grow your business you know and so right. then that helped me to then overcome those limits and beliefs to help me to grow my business further as well so again like that's linked that's probably a different conversation but um you know like yeah it completely changed my outlook you know yeah, and just to touch upon that, I, I love that you mentioned that because I think that for some people, especially some entrepreneurs out there, uh, like for myself, um, me growing model millennials, it's an entrepreneurial endeavor. 
in myself as well. And mm. uh, I think that when we think of personal growth at times, it can f- become this fluffy concept. It's very esoteric, it's elusive, and it's pie in the sky. But you can really take that growth, intentional growth plan approach in your business as well. So I'll give you a very specific example of my life. So I, I mentioned to you that I was in the sales role before. Uh, I was very fortunate where by the time I was le- I left my sales role, and again, I'm not saying this to brag, it was just kind of a testimony of my growth, um, where I was making six figures, my growth, uh, in, my, in, my goal, in, my, in my role. Mm-hmm. And I left that role, flew across the country from Vancouver to Toronto, and I took this marketing boot camp where I was making zero dollars <laughs> because it was a school. And then my first role out of there, I was making half the income I had in my sales role because it was in marketing, a whole new field in itself. Mm. But the reason I was learning that was because I wanted to learn the foundations of marketing so that I can be proficient in sales and marketing and have a growth engine to elevate any business. But that first year, because I made such a leap, in my mind, I knew, wow, Joel, I, I have to do something that makes sure that I become a very strong marketer by the end of that year. And so that one tool that I used was again, systematic investigation, which means that, so what, one of the things I did was uh, in marketing, there's this concept called a T-shaped marketer. So if you imagine um, a kind of a, a T here, so we have the first uh, horizontal and then we have the vertical mm-hmm. line. So the T are the foundations of marketing. So things like uh, storytelling, behavioral psychology, uh, data and analytics, um, these are all kind of foundational things that every marketer needs to know. But then in marketing, you have a bunch of different channels that you can focus in. Okay. Paid ads, SEO, uh, there's mm. you know, marketing, so many different channels. And so in the That's foundations, true. you want to really know every foundation, but you want to pick one channel to really go deep in. So what I did in that year was I literally took each aspect of the T-shaped marketer and every single week I would focus on one aspect of the T-shaped marketer. So even in business, the systematic approach is so, so crucial because that year I had more growth in my professional life than I've ever had in my entire life. Wow, man. Um, I do want to quickly touch upon, because it sounds like you had a plan, right? So you've done sales, you then had a plan, okay, I want to do marketing, like you say, to kind of, you know, kind of build that structure. Right. I think what a lot of young people might have trouble with is even getting to that place where they have that plan. And then so my thing is, I think we've discussed this before, is to go out and try a bunch of different things mm-hmm. um, around the things that you're p- passionate or like interested in, because we all have those interests. We, we spoke about this and I know that right. you shared like the shotgun approach, which was really helpful for people mm-hmm. um, on, the, on the Instagram live that we did. Um because like we all have those interests or interests, right? So I know I'm interested in football. So, may, so you know, if I started my journey again, right, knowing everything like I know now, maybe I would choose something around sport or something because that's a huge passion of mine. Yeah. Or, you, you know what I'm saying? Because I know like that's an, that's an interest of mine and it always has been. So then my thing is like, if people even are having a hard time coming up with that plan mm-hmm. um, or like you know what they want to do to go out and try a bunch of different things. So I'm interested in, uh, your thoughts on that, like share, share your thoughts on that. I know we've had conversations around that before, but also how you got to that place where you 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 developed that plan. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for mentioning that. So I'll share kind of the context of what, what you're talking about here and then mm. share my story with it. So the idea of choosing your path in life um, can be really difficult because I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, when I was in university, I would go to these counselors or I'd go to these talks, but I didn't ever feel like any of these like tests for my career ever panned out well, where <laughs> I take this aptitude test and they tell me, hey, you should be a pilot. <laughs> like, we've com- yeah, we've had conversation. Yeah, I remember yeah. the conversation when you shared that with me and I was like, yeah, um, I can't remember what, what, what mine was, but I was like, nah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I guess I'll choose the highest paying one. But the, the right way to approach it is kind of a combination. So you have sort of two sides where you can approach it with. You can either do a shotgun approach or you can do a sniper approach. So the shotgun approach is where you just spray and pray. Mm-hmm. The sniper approach is where you're very specific in how you go about it. And you can kind of also think of it as uh, for my Lord of the Rings 
nerds like me, uh, Legolas versus uh, Gimli, where Gimli just attacks everyone with his hammer, hammer, and Legolas is very accurate and precise in how he shoots. And so the best approach I find is kind of a combination of the sniper and the shotgun approach. Okay, so if there's an ideal gun, I don't know what that would be fathomed. Uh, I'm not a gun person at all, so I don't really know if there's something like that out there. But what I mean by that is first take the time to set your scope in what you want to do in life. So the scope specifically, what I'm talking about here is I like saying there's four categories you want to think about. Mm -hmm. One is you love what you do. So whatever you do, you love it. You can do a lot of it. Time passes and flies by when you do it. Number two is you're good at what you do. So you have some competency in it or you have potential in what you're doing. Number three is you can generate the return you want in what you do. So you can be really good at, let's say, like collecting seashells. You can love collecting seashells, but ultimately, if you can't sustain a family with it, it might not be the right path for you. And last but not least, you need to also be have a passion and have your value system surrounded mm -hmm. by what you do. Um, because, for example, when I was in sales, you know, I at times I would love aspects of it. You know, I got good at it. I can generate a great return, but ultimately it didn't line up with my my value system. Mm -hmm. And kind of going back to my my story. Um, so when I was in university, I'll kind of start here. Back when I was in school, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And part of the reason why the word even resonated with me is because that word just is synonymous with freedom and almost to a sense control, really the idea that I can run my own ship and also creativity. But And so as a result of that, I went into school for business in university. Okay. And for that first year, one of the struggles I had was I really – wanted to chase after being a great business person. But at the same time, when I reflect in my life, I wanted to make an impact. And so I had to balance where I thought, okay, I can either chase after monetary pursuits and become like an investment banker. Or on the flip side, I can be in a nonprofit and I can you know, make no money and impact at a, you know, a certain scale. But it wasn't until I discovered the idea of social entrepreneurship that essentially married the two making difference and making dollar where I was able to then go, okay, this is an opportunity for me to make the difference I want to make, even scale it out deeper with the capital that I can create through entrepreneurship, but also at the same time, make the, yeah, at the same time, create the lifestyle that I want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I didn't really think of it in terms of the four categories, but when I reflect back to it, it really does touch upon those different topics. And so that's essentially kind of my story and how, it aligned with that, those four different categories. Yeah, for me, like the overall kind of thing here is like when you start that journey of personal growth, but even like self-discovery, right? And doing that inner work, then a lot of this for people becomes a lot more clearer. Like I find it sometimes hard to kind of share this sort of stuff, maybe because like personal growth sometimes is fluffy and that, and so I need to improve on like my own communication and, and everything. Mm -hmm. But I think, But I think there's just something in just starting that journey of yeah. that personal growth and of that self-discovery because it's, it's then like through that you will see like the upsides or the rewards or kind of just kind of your own growth in itself, you know, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, man. And just to kind of help, help uh, some of those people out there that were like me, because I'm a very, um, <laughs> I use the word systematic a few times, I'm a pretty logical type of person. Mm. And you know, I understand that some people can be des desensitized to the whole self-help world. But recently, a concept I came across that really helped me to understand it from a practical sense is that yes, personal growth is really rooted in your biological makeup. And I think that's something a lot of people don't understand. I love that. I'm writing this down. <laughs> yeah. Like if you think about it, your biggest growth tool that you have is your brain, right? So for you to understand growth from a practical standpoint, um, I, not in terms of application, but if you're if you're kind of struggling with, hey, is this practical for me? Is this really a concept where people can take advantage of? Then you need to understand your biggest growth tool, which is your brain. And you know, forgive me for a second. I just want to share a bit about the brain and and how that works because I think it'll help some people out there who are, are more practical. Um, so your brain is essentially part of your central nervous system, and it acts as the airport control room 
that directs the rest of your body. Uh, it's composed of three elements. You have your you have your spinal cord, your brainstem, which essentially acts uh, controlling your basic needs, your eating, breathing, uh, sex, fight or flight. You have your cerebellum, which essentially controls your mobility and coordination. And then you have your biggest part of your brain, which is the cerebral cortex. And that's kind of where growth happens. Uh, your cerebral cortex is made up of four components, your frontal, temporal, parsipital, uh, par and your occipital lobe. Oh, it's paricial lobe, sorry. And these four components uh, essentially make up your sensory stimulation, your uh, complex thinking, your short-term memory. And I'm sure, Luke, you've heard this before, where you have your right brain and left brain, right? Where you have your creativity and logic. That's your frontal lobe, which is the most popular part of the lobe. And kind of separating that is this bridge called the corpus callosum, which is where growth happens because there's this bridge that connects your neurons. So every time you're listening to an audio, you're reading a book, about 86 billion neurons are firing across that bridge. <laughs> and this is the last thing I'll share about your brain. Um, so there's this concept called neuroplasticity that's very, very powerful and essentially is a fancy scientific term of describing growth. So neuroplasticity says that your brain is malleable. It changes over time. It's not static, but it's dynamic. And there's a really cool study that was done by this woman called Eleanor McGuire. She was a professor at University College London, where she studied taxi cab drivers in London. And Luke, I'm sure you've been to London before, right? I have. You have, yeah. And <laughs> when you see the streets, they're very complex, are they not? Uh, yeah, from, yeah. Yeah, very complex. So mm -hmm. if you're a taxi cab driver in London, you have to really know your directions. Mm. So what she did was she studied the hippocampus in people's brains that were taxi cab drivers in comparison with the average person. And the hippocampus is responsible for memory encoding and memory consolidation. It's located in your temporal lobe. And what she found was that people who were taxi cab drivers developed a larger hippocampus than those that were the average person. And taxi cab drivers that had been around longer had an even bigger hippocampus than those have, that have not been around for longer. Mm. And so it's powerful because that scientific study proved that your brain, you can mold and shape to suit your needs in life. And so for those who were thinking, man, personal growth is kind of fluffy. You know, you hear these stories where an immigrant comes over to, to North America, they have $40 in the pocket and they become <laughs> big CEOs. And you're like, can that happen for me? Well, everyone has the same brain, or the same biological makeup. You have neuroplasticity in your, in your toolbox. And if you use tools like learning methods, if you're militant about what you put into your body as well, that's very important. Uh, those are all things you can take advantage of to have optimal brain health and growth. I love that. And this might not be the same thing, but I was reading, um, it's a few years ago now, actually, once when I first started my kind of like my entrepreneurial journey, right. Um, I'm going to mess this up, but anyway, I'll give it a go. Um, there was this kind of, I think it was like four levels and the top level I think was consciously competent or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you're on know what I'm on about. Sure. Um, I can't re quite remember the others, but basically I was watching this video and it was basically saying like, when you similar example, this is why I thought of it. When you like drive to work, for example, and you mm -hmm. do that day in, day out, have you ever then had those days where you just kind of like end up at work and think to yourself, why the hell, like, how, how did I get here type of yeah, thing? And, right. and it's because you're consciously competent of being able to drive to work. And when you yeah. just shared the, um, the taxi example, it just kind of triggered that in my mind is in terms of to help people with that, with that growth, that it just in a way becomes such of a part of who you are right. that you just become like consciously, like it's just kind of you, you know, it's then becomes part of your makeup, right? And then becomes part of like you. So I don't know if that's the same thing or something similar or, or anything. I just, something that kind of, you know, triggered in my mind that I wanted to put out there. Yeah, dude, we're totally on the same wavelength here. Mm. Uh, so what you're talking about there is the, the, I guess the stair level to mastery, where at the yeah. bottom level, it is you being unconsciously incompetent. Yes, sir. So, when I, when I was back now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So when I was playing soccer, for example, when I first started that, 
uh, I was unconsciously incompetent where I didn't know what I didn't know. So when I was playing soccer, I was just kind of kicking around. Uh, I didn't really know what position to be in. This is kind of when I was in elementary school. Uh, and then kind of the second level you can be in is you can be consciously incompetent where there's one point where I was playing soccer and I kind of realized I want to get better, but I don't really know how to get better. I was unconsciously incompetent. Then I kind of went one staircase higher where I then joined a, so the staircase higher is consciously competent. So I joined a club team. And so I started learning the right proper techniques for kicking, uh, the positioning, uh, how to jockey and defense, all that jazz. Uh, and so you become consciously competent, but it takes work for you to really think. Mm. And then kind of the level where you become the highest mastery, which is unconsciously competent. Uh, that's kind of where, you know, after like 14, 15, 20 years of playing soccer, you don't have to tell me to jockey a certain way. You don't really have to tell me to pass the ball with the inside of your foot. It naturally just comes as a result of so much practice. Um, and to your point, really, when you have perfect practice every single day, it really does mold and shape your brain and that growth comes along with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's why, you know, I wanted to throw that in there to help people then to, again, like I'm on this thing of just starting, right? Starting that journey, starting that journey. And then over time, you can get to that point where maybe like the meditation, right? Like the, like the habits that were kind of, we were sharing before, you know, you, you get to that place. Like now um, I've got this uh, habit tracking tracking app um, and it tracks kind of like my longest, I think they call it like streaks, right? So the longest amount of days yeah. that I've kind of done a habit. So uh, for like, um, so I do journaling it like in, in, in the morning, I'm at, I'm at like 215 days. Right. So now it's become like, it's just, just you know, I just do it, you know, it like, yeah. I don't even need the, the reminder on my phone to tell me, um, because it's, again, I, I'm supposed I'm like, I'm at that place, right. Where I'm unconsciously competent of just doing it. So for people, it's like to get to that place with their growth and everything where, um, you know, they're unconsciously competent at things and i think how you do that is obviously just starting that journey and then as we're sharing it's like start that journey at, at, at a young age ultimately for sure and i actually really like that you're doing journaling uh, i i don't have that habit right now myself but it's something i wanted to take on for a while um so I, i'm actually curious from you what, what what have you really gotten out of journaling as a whole as a habit yeah, so I think for me, I realized um, that when I so I journal every morning and then every evening. So when I woke up in the mornings, I had all like all these thoughts and just kind of my brain was kind of like all over the place. So it's kind of like journaling and then just like brain dumping type of thing where I just get everything like that's on my mind out onto paper. And then I realized like even through that, a lot of ideas started to come from that. Um, soon then now with my weekly reflection, I kind of just quickly go back over those to see if there's any ideas like I can implement and everything. Um, wow. and this is, and it's the same with the, you know, like the evening, um, brain dumping, you know, just kind of get everything off my mind mm -hmm. you know, to, you know, for the evening so I can kind of relax, you know, like, you know, and kind of, um, sleep well and everything. So that's, um, yeah, that's kind of the two habits like with journaling, brain dumping, whatever you want to call it that I've, I've set up. Yeah, dude, it's it's funny because I recently just read about this concept as well that have has really transformed my life. So you talked about your weekly reflection, um, journaling morning and nighttime. So there's this really powerful tool in your learning called space repetition mm. that has by far been one of the biggest game changers in my life for my memory recollection. And it's the idea that the average person, when they read something or when they learn something, Within the hour, they'll forget 50% of what they just learned. <laughs> Within the day, 24 hours, they'll forget 75%. Mm. But if you're able to have active recall, like I talked about before, and also combine that with space repetition, which is the idea that you go back to what you learned, um, maybe an hour, a day, whatever interval you want to have, go back and reflect on what you learned. You're a lot more likely to create bigger synaptic connections and ultimately embed it in your long-term memory. And, yeah, and I think mm. you journaling, it, yeah, I didn't even realize this, but that's exactly what you're doing is you're <laughs> these concepts. And it's no wonder why, you know, you have a kind of, you have all these growth concepts within you mm. where you're reflecting back, you're taking that time to create space repetition and it's really embedding in who you are as a person. 
Yeah, so I even tried to set something up. I haven't successfully done it yet with um, with podcasts, right? So, you know, right. like this. So I take a ton of notes. That's kind of why, guys, I've, I'm always looking over here. Um, I take a ton of notes, just like things to kind of ask, but also things that I kind of want to dive into and like learn more about. And then what I wanted to do, um, haven't kind of got into the, the proper habit of it yet, is then even reflect back on each podcast episode yeah. that I do and the notes that I have. So, because otherwise, like after this podcast, like I got a bunch of phone calls, I got like a bunch of work to go and do. And so the things like I want to maybe learn more about or dive more into or things that you've said, I'm like, okay, like, yes, I love that, Joel. You know, or my other guests that I want to like learn more about, I can forget, you know, like you say. And so I, I'm still trying to like get into that place to implement yeah. that habit um, with it. And so it sounds similar to like what you're saying. Right. And I, I almost have to throw this plug in here just because it's been such an instrumental book right now where um, I don't know if you know of Jim Quick at all. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Jim Quick, he's a uh, he's essentially he's a brain base, mm -hmm. uh, coach, yep. I guess. Yep. And uh, I'm recently reading his book called Limitless. Uh, it's a new book yeah. that came out. And a lot of these concepts I'm talking about of meta learning uh, about your brain. It's, it's all from Jim Quick. And he okay. is master with memory. And uh, one of his biggest tips is from a biological standpoint where he says that, hey, think about what you put in your body. So mm. I talked about neuroplasticity before. As much as you can use neuroplasticity in the positive, unfortunately, neuro neuroplasticity also works in the negative, where if you have a healthy brain and you fall to procrastination, you fall to negative thinking, and you fall to junk food, it can actually deteriorate your brain over time. And so some of the ways you can kind of combat this, um, what you put in your stomach really matters in how your brain functions. Yeah, I've heard that, so, yeah. Yeah, um, your, your brain is only weighing three pounds compared to the rest of your body. Uh, so if you weigh like 150 pounds, it's only 2% of your body, body weight. Mm. But your brain takes up 20% of your energy and nutrition. Mm. So your brain is so, so active. What you put in your body matters in what your brain functions. And good foods like blueberries, blackberries, broccoli, salmon, uh, even wine, dark chocolate. Uh, these are all things in, you know, with the latter two in moderation, but the, the rest you can kind of consume all you want. Walnuts is another one. Uh, drinking a lot of water, hydration, so, so important. But what you put in your body will affect your brain and how much you can remember in your memory recollection. And uh, I highly encourage anyone to not um, kind of just take push that aside and think I can eat whatever I want but what you eat really does matter as well yeah I've heard that before um but I'm, I'm I've just wrote down the limitless book because it sounds sounds really awesome and I've seen it like promoted on social but I um haven't um like kind of bought, bought it yet but Joel thank you so much for coming on to the show today we're approaching an hour so um I think if we kind of dive into some final thoughts and uh, wrap up today's show. Um, yeah, what would be kind of like your final thoughts for, let's just say, somebody who's 20 and um, is listening to this is like, okay, how do I go away and kind of practically, I've uh, kind of been on this theme recently as well, uh, sharing more kind of like practical things that people can do because sometimes like these mm. concepts are, are like, say, a bit fluffy and everything, even though they work and then they help, but I'm kind of like trying, okay, what's the, like the practical things people can do? Um, and then, yeah, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about what, what you do? Yeah, yeah, just to wrap up. Uh, first off, thank you so much for having me on, on this podcast, Matt. I, I love the conversations. You're, you're such an awesome interviewer and such an awesome dude in general. Um, to answer your question, anyone in your 20s, the next step if I were in your shoes is to, well, I am in your shoes, I'm in my 20s, but <laughs> anyone in their 20s, um, is to find one, two, or three role models find their material. So whether they have books, whether they have audios, uh, whether you want to look on Redefining Your 20s podcast or the Grow Together podcast and find people, whether it's Luke, whether it's someone else that's been on his podcast and go through the material and really start learning, whether it's reading through audios and embed that into your, your habit system. Because the more you yeah. consume, the more you put it in your body, the more you're going to get out. Um, and where you can find Modern Millennials, uh, you can follow us at Instagram on at Modern Millennials, or you can go on our website, modernmillennials.com, where I have blogs and podcasts. Uh, and that's about as much of a plug <laughs> as I'll put in. <laughs> no, man. And um, just quickly on that. So um, I was looking on the blog uh, the other day, and um, 
I was like, shit, dude, there's like a lot here. Like, you know, there's a lot of awesome kind of content in that. Um, I think I was looking for the, so I was going to share our podcast that we did when I came on your share with someone. And so yeah. I, was just, I was trying to find the link. I was like, look, scrolling through, and there's a lot of amazing content there. So guys, um, definitely go and check out Joel's work. It's awesome. I'm loving what he's doing over there. And um, I will put all the links down below in the description. So yeah, check them out. Joel, thank you so much once again. Thanks for having me, Luke. Appreciate it. Anytime. Guys, I will be back next week for another episode of Redefine Your Twenties. In the meantime, have a great week, guys. Hey guys, Lou Rose here, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Redefine Your Twenties. I hope you liked today's show. And if you did, please go ahead and leave a review or a comment below this episode. Check back every week for a brand new episode of the show where we will be interviewing young people in their 20s who have redefined their 20s by diving into personal growth and following unconventional paths. Check out Grow Together for the entire podcast collection that will help you to accomplish the ultimate goal, a better you. Have an awesome day.